And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. It's the 1st of December. Happy Friday. <laughs> Happy Friday. I just uh, realized we're already in December. And it's, uh, time's flying by too quickly. It's a funny thing because I've been hosting for a while now and uh, every year we do this dance. Like we near December and dictionaries across the world starts to reveal like words of the year to summarize uh, the year end. And we start yeah. looking back at the year and I'm like, oh, it's yeah. over already. It is. It is. It's that time <laughs> where we start to reflect on how the year has been, right? And looking forward to Christmas as well, not too long away. <laughs> All right. So, of course, reflection or not, um, the news never stops, even in the month of December. So uh, let's get started. We're going to try to clarify some of the major headlines for our listeners. President Yoon keeping busy even in the month of December. This is our first keyword of the day. New AIDS. So President Yoon has carried out a major shakeup of his AIDS and cabinet, uh, widely expected. Uh, what's the latest? Right, so he basically replaced everyone on the president's staff except the senior secretary for national policy and chief of staff. They'll begin work uh, on Monday, so they're going to get right to it. Now, the president's national policy secretary, Iguan Sup, was appointed chief of staff for policy, which is a newly created uh, senior position that's basically on par with the chief of staff and the national security advisor. So it's basically a ministerial level type position. Now, the new position will manage it, will manage the offices. Uh, of senior secretaries for economic affairs and social policy. Also, a new position of senior secretary for science and technology will be created under the policy chief. And the office will announce uh, an appointee in the coming weeks. Uh, the senior secretaries, political affairs, civil and social agenda, public relations, economic affairs and social policy have all been changed. So there's five areas where there have been changes. Um, the current Secretary for State Affairs Monitoring, Hanosup, uh, was named Senior Secretary for Political Affairs. Uh, former news anchor for KBS, Hwang Sang Moo, was appointed as uh, Senior Secretary for Civil and Social Agenda. The presidential spokesperson, Ido Un, will be the new Senior Secretary for Public Relations. Uh, a member of the Bank of Korea's Monetary Policy Board, Pak Chun Sup, will be the new Senior Secretary for Economic Affairs. And the Vice Education Minister, Chang Sang-yoon, was appointed as the new Senior Secretary for Social Policy. Uh, Chief of Staff Kim Dae-gi is uh, one of the few who kept his position. That comes, interestingly, despite speculation that he was actually partly to blame for Busan's mm. uh, failure to win uh, the bid for the 2030 World Expo. But uh, there you have it. That's the list of the reshuffled mm. uh, top office and cabinets. That's right. Uh, the top office is clearly seeking uh, for a fresh drive to implement their key administrative tasks. We'll have to see what comes next. Let's move on to our second keyword of the day. Off to the Netherlands incredibly busy year for the president. Uh, president Yoon is set to make a state visit to the Netherlands from the 11th to the 14th of this month. What can we expect, Adam? Right, so this will be basically the last trip, of course, of uh, President Yoon's uh, overseas trip schedules for the year. Now, the top office says the main focus uh, is to strengthen cooperation in the semiconductor industry. Uh, this is actually the first state visit by the Netherlands, uh, to the Netherlands, mm -hmm. sorry, by a Korean president uh, since the two countries established diplomatic relations uh, back in 1961. And Yoon is going on the invitation of Dutch King Willem-Alexander. 
Uh, Yoon's wife, Kim Connie, will also accompany him on the trip. Now, before the official schedule begins, Yoon and the First Lady will arrive in Amsterdam on the 11th local time to attend a dinner meeting with local residents to encourage the expat community. So they'll be meeting with Koreans first. Uh, on the 12th, uh, that's the first official engagement. It'll begin with the formal welcoming ceremony hosted by the royal couple at Dam Square in Amsterdam. Following the welcoming ceremony, there'll be a royal reception at the palace for official introductions between the representatives of both countries. Uh, the President and First Lady will then relay wreaths at the War Memorial on Dam Square, honouring World War II victims. Uh, that will be followed by a luncheon at the Royal Palace with the King and Queen. Uh, in the afternoon, Yoon will visit the headquarters of ASML, a semiconductor equipment company in Veldhoven with the King. Now, the firm's CEO, Peter Wenick, will be giving them a tour and he'll also be sitting down for talks on semiconductor supply chains and technological innovation. So basically the key agenda and focus of Yoon's trip will be happening uh, during that tour of that company. Now in the evening, a state banquet will also take place at the palace, attended by key figures from politics, economics and culture uh, from both countries. Uh, you know the king will each deliver a banquet, uh, banquet speech mm. as well. Um, on the second day of the official schedule, you will travel to The Hague, the seat, uh, the seat of the Dutch government, to meet with the speakers uh, of the upper and lower houses of parliament. And then in, uh, he'll also hold talks with the Dutch prime minister, uh, Mark Rutte. Following the meeting, there'll be a joint press conference and the signing of an MOU, followed by a luncheon hosted by the PM. Uh, they'll also tour museums honouring late Korean heroes. Uh, later in the day, Yoon will return to Amsterdam and attend a meeting between uh, Korean and Dutch business leaders. So we'll have to see what kind of deals, if any, are made during that as well. So it's another kind of royal event that uh, President Yoon held uh, recently in the UK. And mm. so it's going to be a kind of a similar kind of atmosphere and uh, procedure. I With think. the royal treatment, so to speak, uh, rolling out the, not just a red carpet, the royal carpet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of jam-packed diplomatic gear, it, it certainly was a, a year well travel for the president and the first lady. I, I wonder if that could be one of our keywords to summarize a year, how many miles they traveled. <laughs> Right, certainly uh, stacking up those mileages, I guess. <laughs> Maybe we could do a, a world tour for free if we were in a, Only uh, if they took a commercial carrier, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, only if they took commercial flights. But uh, yeah, I think everyone else will be watching in envy. But, mm. uh, but um, yeah. it seems like a tough task anyway. I mean, it's these are really short, dense trips. Nonetheless, we'll wait and see what comes out of that Netherlands trip. Let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Military accord at risk. So, of course, heightened tension between the two Koreas has raised questions about whether that military agreement is moot. South Korea's defense ministry has hinted that it may completely withdraw from the 2018 inter-Korean military agreement. This is, of course, while we partially suspended it and North Korea completely scrapped it. And now what, right? What's the latest? Yeah, yeah so basically a ministry spokesperson told reporters uh, it would be quote-unquote desirable for Seoul to also nullify uh, the agreement. Uh, Chan said the uh, that said that since Pyongyang announced a virtual termination uh, of the agreement last week and is blatantly restoring military options, the South Korean military will take countermeasures to protect its people. Uh, he noted that there is no need for additional measures to nullify the accord, unlike the no-fly zone uh, suspension. Now, in regards to possible restoration of South Korean guard posts, uh, Chan said that they were completely destroyed and may be difficult 
to restore. He also mentioned that North Korea does do have some underground tunnels as well. He said he's still analyzing the um, the the progress that North Korea mm-hmm. uh, is potentially making on restoring those as well. Uh, in regards to South Korea guard posts, they're just co- uh, concrete structures. Uh, so it's going to, of, uh, of course, take time if they're going to be restored at all. But um, yes, he's hinting that South Korea may completely withdraw uh, the the agreement from the agreement as a tit for tat move uh, for, with the North Koreans. Now, meanwhile, a tour program to the truce village of Panmunjom has also been suspended again as safety concerns increase due to North Korean border troops being armed uh, with pistols, especially along the DMZ. Now, Unification Minister Kim Jong-ho had plans to visit the truce village with the press on uh, December 5th, actually, but the schedule uh, had to be cancelled as well because, of course, there is more tensions brewing along the border at the moment. Let's move on uh, to uh, the economy section. For a closer look at interest rates, this is our fourth keyword of the day. Rate frozen. So as expected, the Bank of Korea has held its key interest rate study for the seventh straight time. It's unable to either cut or raise a rate as Korea stands the test of the shaky economy like the rest of the world. What's the latest, Adam? That's right. So it's basically staying pat because it's uh, holding on a, a kind of wait and see position and stance at the moment. So, uh, yes, yeah, in a bit of a difficult uh, position at the moment where it's dangerous to kind of raise high, uh, raise rates or lower them at the moment. Now, the BOK uh, cited a gradually weakening, weakening inflation trend and uncertainty in household debt and external conditions. This decision is seen as avoiding unnecessary rate hikes that could worsen consumption uh, and investment due to factors like increasing household debt. Uh, the Monetary Policy Committee noted that despite weakened demand, cost pressures are expected to exceed uh, what they forecast back in August. Now, the decision reflects the ongoing dilemma of increasing financial imbalances amid uh, economic downturn. Uh, the BOK also maintains this year's growth forecast at 1.4%, but lowered next year's forecast from 22 uh, to 2.1%. It said that the growth rates will be affected by a uh, prolonged restrictive monetary policy stances at home and abroad and by a slow pace of consumption recovery. Now, weak global demand and a delay in the recovery of the IT sector have been blamed for a slump in the country's exports. But recently, the country's exports have shown signs of recovery. Now, the Bank of Korea uh, Governor Lee Chang-yong said the growth outlook of 2.1% for next year is actually not bad compared with global peers adding that the current base rate level is sufficiently restrictive. He also deemed Korea's price growth as likely to meet the 2% target rate faster uh, than the US as well. Now, he predicted Korea's inflation rate will come down to 2% by late next year or early 2025, as the bank's restrictive stance may last longer um, than six months. The central bank is also paying keen attention to rising household debts, which could uh, help de- uh, domestic demand um, weaken as well. All right, let's move on to our final keyword of the day. Controversial bit. So Korea is keeping an eye on Japan's application for the listing of Buddhist scriptures printed with ancient Korean Buddhist wooden printing blocks on the UNESCO Memory of the World Catalog. What's the latest, Adam? 
Right, so the Japanese government is pushing to inscribe the woodblock prints uh, of the tri uh, Tripitaka. Tri Tripitaka, excuse Good me. Good morning. Uh, Koreana. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Koreana, the printed materials are currently housed in uh, a temple uh, in Tokyo. This is likely to spark controversies and is expected to face opposition from the Korean Buddhist mm. uh, community. Of course, this all relates to Japan's colonialism. Uh, of Korea and in terms of this uh, particular uh, listing it uh, kind of um, sparks controversies in terms of kind of religious content as well mm. and religious sovereignty uh, Japanese and Korean kind of Buddhist uh, kind of uh, tensions might be formed because of this now Seoul's foreign ministry said uh, it's uh, it plans to thoroughly review the content of the related application when it is disclosed to UNESCO member states the application uh, is expected to be submitted on an online platform that's accessible only by the member states in the first half uh, of next year. Now, what does say, though, that the inclusion of the on the UNESCO Memory of the World catalogue looks uh, unlikely as Japan unsuccessfully sought to register the same materials in the past? Uh, the request was also said to have been turned down by UNESCO's advisory committee um, as well. Now, the Japanese government aims to submit a registration application within this year with the goal of registration of 2025. So, yes, watchers are saying it's looking unlikely, but the Japanese government is uh, continuing its efforts to try and list it, uh, along with a few other documents, such as some photos of the aftermath of the Hiroshima uh, atomic bombing as mm. well. Mm. We'll have to see which one of those is actually registered, if at all. Mm. Uh, but of course, as I said, this is going to spark again some controversies with Korea uh, this time the Buddhist community and um, it comes at a time when both Korea and Japan are looking to improve their relations mm. uh, as well. So we'll have to see. It'll cause some backlash from the Korean Buddhist community. We'll have to see if there's some backlash from the Korean government uh, as well, if mm. it is uh, pursued. And so Seoul's foreign ministry seems a little bit more careful and they're warning for the time being saying it'll just keep a close eye right. on the matter. Yeah. But of course, if Japan does persist to pursue that UNESCO listing, which seems highly likely, mm. then it's it's not as if other countries can't put the brakes on it. You can also file a complaint or request uh, a, a thorough review by the UNESCO committee, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there was uh, from the foreign ministry, as you said, there have been a lot more watered down when it comes to these kind of issues of late. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, if there were any changes at all when uh, this kind of process uh, proceeds uh, even further. Thank you very much, Adam, for a week's worth of coverage. Have a lovely weekend, the 1st of the December. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. Have a great weekend yourself. I'll see you next week. See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.